1: questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas.
0: Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of veritas at veritasradio.com i'm your host Mel fabregas and i sincerely thank you for joining me once again and if this is your first time or your truth journey brought you here welcome home and to listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material going back all the way to 2008 hundreds of hours of important truth just go to veritasradio.com and subscribe Is the story of humanity far older and richer than the institutions of society have led us to believe? Tonight, we present a compelling and thought-provoking case using archaeoastronomy, religious stories, ancient artifacts, and our modern understanding of human evolution to suggest that it is. Let's take a unique and fascinating journey into the almost forgotten story that is told through the ancient, unhidden symbols that surround us today. Tonight, we discuss the forbidden knowledge of Enoch with our special guest, R.J. von Brüning, a new author and amateur astronomer with an extensive technical background in the electrical industry. R.J. has spent most of his life quietly researching the occult, secret societies, conspiracy theories on the strange world of the paranormal. And directly from the state of Montana, I would like to welcome R.J. von Brüning. Hello, R.J., and welcome to Veritas. How are you?
1: Oh, thank you for having me here, and I'm doing great. Uh, happy to be here. Looking forward to the show.
0: I am too. I am too. This is a very deep, deep book. I uh, read it in the last couple of days, and I'm hoping to sit back and be educated because there's a lot of a lot of dots you connected. But first, Arjit, what brought you to this research? <sighs>
1: The truth is, is I've always been interested in it. Um, I grew up in Southeastern Arizona with big, huge, nice dark skies and tons of Indian lore and Where? ruins. I'm just curious, because uh, I'm in Southeastern Arizona. In little, I, I grew up in uh, Benson, Arizona.
0: I know Benson, sure.
1: Yeah. Just 45 miles Southeast of Tucson. And, um. Uh, my, I come from a family that's a big scouting family, so I was really encouraged to do a lot of hiking and exploring and just learn to love the culture and the Indian cultures and the Mexican cultures and the Aztecs. And it was just always so fascinating. And living around it and being around it just made me ask questions always. And I couldn't always get the answers. <laughs> And that kind of started the path. And then for this book particularly, which is kind of a little personal love of my own, is I've always been fascinated by secret societies because I come from a Masonic family, but I've always been kind of kept out of the loop. So that's always been a big fascination of what the rest of my family is kind of up to and why they wouldn't tell me.
0: Why? Well, first question.
1: Why were you kept out of the loop if you
0: have been seeking answers?
1: You know, I really don't know. Um, There was a big falling out in my family around the time I was born. I was never told exactly what happened. And I think it had something to do with it. But over the last few years, I've been running into other guys that are in a similar situation like me where they come from a Masonic family. They they were always told about it, but at the same time, they were never encouraged to go into it. They they were always kind of kept at arm's length. So I don't think I'm unique in this aspect.
0: That's very interesting because you would think that if you have somebody in your family, perhaps, was it your father?
1: Uh, Actually— on both sides of my family up until my father, almost every single individual in my family has been involved one way or the other, either with the Masons or their subsidiary organizations or, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, just within the estoteric belief system itself. They've always kind of had their fingers in it.
0: <laughs> Very interesting. Why didn't you try going through a third party to join them. Well, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. If I, because obviously this is more of an an initiation process and if you had some people within your own bloodline, you would think that would be easier to join. And I know folks, a lot of them are demonized, but we're talking about the upper echelon. But a lot of the masons that I know are simple, nice people who just want to learn some truths. Am I right?
1: Yes, basically. Uh, In fact, I would argue that the only certain branches of masonry have been kind of demonized or I, I would say corrupted uh, because masonry is kind of America. A lot of our ideas of liberty and equality, the rule of law. These ideas all come from Masonry. They come from the Enlightenment, and that's basically how they were brought here to the States and were a major motivation for this country. So Masonry has a lot of really positive aspects, but there's a lot of misunderstanding about what it is and exactly how it operates. And in many ways, the Masons kind of help encourage some of this too to help keep their secrets and like you said for the initiations and stuff because it is a brotherhood, it, it is secret knowledge for the few or the initiated and that's the whole basis of it basically
0: and like many of our listeners and I RJ, you've always had the nagging feeling and, and thought that something about the world wasn't quite right I think we all, anybody who listens to this show that came all the way to, to listen to us and even me creating the show is because we have that nagging Effect of not knowing, even though you you have never known exactly what that something was, have you found that something?
1: That's true. I've always had that same feeling that just something in the world isn't quite right. That you can't really put your finger on it, but all the pieces just don't seem to fit. The stories you're told, you know, the history we're presented, it it just doesn't quite fit. You know, it's a good story, but. My gut tells me there's something wrong with it.
0: (laughs) And you talk about the lack of a, quote-unquote, unifying factor. What is that factor, and is this what perpetuates the divide and conquer, the powers that want to be one present everywhere?
1: It could be. I think it is. Uh, The unifying factor, excuse me again, is a story. And that's kind of one of the big pieces about this entire idea and what's presented in my book is the piece that's missing for everybody is that it's a religion, and you can't understand a religion until you understand its basic core story. And that is basically what I stumbled upon.
0: And obviously there are questions that are primordial. We've heard about me saying here, who are we, where we come from, where are we going? Nobody has the answers, or at least to my satisfaction, but you have six questions. What are the six questions that need to be answered in order to find the truth about the forbidden knowledge?
1: Well, in my book, The Six Questions That You're Speaking Of, um, I use those to begin a thought experiment, because that's how I present this information, because there is just so much, and it connects in with so many different pieces that I thought the best way to present it was just, like I said, as a thought experiment. So I start this with basically six questions. Is The first one being, is there really anything to the whole ancient astronaut theory as it's currently presented on TV or in the popular media? The second question was, are the ancient religious stories that we all have and are so familiar with really talking about some type of advanced extraterrestrial civilization that came here thousands of years ago. Third question was, were our ancestors too primitive to understand who these individuals were and misinterpreted them as gods? Four, is this is where all the ancient stories, legends, and myths possibly come from? The fifth question was has modern science misinterpreted the evidence? And six, is there evidence to support any side of this argument? And those are the basic questions I started with to start building the idea. And the idea has to basically start within the ancient astronaut theory as most people know it, and then slowly starts moving out from there.
0: You say you may have found a pathway through the confusion between science, religion, and the ancient astronaut supporters. Before you explain, let me just say this about the ancient astronaut. I used to be one that would think that because we don't know how to build the pyramid today, just to make it in very simple terms, that perhaps it must have been an extraterrestrial race that came here and did that. But the more I have looked into ancient history and speaking to other tribes like the Dogon tribe and speaking to some of the, the initiates there, I've come to a different conclusion that just because we cannot understand how a megalithic monument was made thousands of years ago, today in the 21st century, even with the best of our technology, we don't have to be pointing the finger at our skies, saying, oh, they must have come from elsewhere. If we died today, a cataclysm comes along in 100 years on the road, the remnants of the human race start digging a few feet underground, and they find a few iPhones and plastics and computers. They have, they'll have no idea, if the knowledge was lost, that we actually made it. What would they do? Oh, this must have been made by gods or by extraterrestrials. My point is, why do we take away credit from the civilization whether it was human or a different type of human thousands of years ago. Why do we have to always say it must have been ancient astronauts or ancient aliens?
1: I have to agree with you. Uh, I've I've wondered the same question myself. Why do people always invoke ancient astronauts or an extraterrestrial or something otherworldly? In fact, I think the logic kind of points to that it could have been an advanced civilization of ourselves or our immediate ancestors, or that Earth has gone through a series of where it's created life, civilizations have flourished, and then they destroyed themselves and disappeared. And that's one of the key points within the esoteric belief system, is when you get up at the higher levels, you start realizing that Part of the idea is that there was a prior civilization on this planet. And they basically view it as it it being two-tiered. One part was very highly advanced, probably more advanced than we are today, and one part that was very primitive. They never ever really go into and say this is aliens or anything. They kind of lean toward the idea that these beings may be originally from Earth and not from another solar system, which that idea has kind of been gaining a little bit of traction of late within some of the more paranormal and UFO circles that maybe we're, we've been looking at this idea wrong.
0: Well, I'm glad that finally some people are, I'm not saying awakening because we don't have proof either way, but at least consider the fact that we may have been able to do that. And when we look at, and you discuss this in your book, DNA, perhaps our DNA was tinkered. In the past, you even say it too. During in the Bible, they talk about our lifespan being what was it? Uh, I have it right here. Lifespan being, uh, you know, three hundred to nine hundred years. What happened later? Did somebody come along and tinkered with our DNA because they didn't want us to really become enlightened? Because imagine if you and I were to live to be say five hundred, just not not to go too exaggerated, five hundred. When we're a hundred, we start realizing. Wait a second, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting it. I'm starting to get it. And then the next one hundred years, you become more enlightened, and so on and so forth. We would not be having the case of wars that we have. We would have conquered disease. We would have conquered poverty. We would be living in harmony with no wars. Don't you think?
1: I would agree. I think if our lifespans were longer, but if we're dealing with In the past, science has pretty much told us, and even the ancient stories kind of indicate that our ancestors seem to have been at a much more primitive level. So they may not have had the intellectual capability. And that's one of the ideas that I present forward in my book is that these ancient stories that we're dealing with, are most likely dealing with Cro-Manglin man, our immediate ancestor. And some of these things may have been totally beyond their intellectual capability. Because what evidence we do have appears that they could put governments and structures together, but they don't seem to be able to understand higher technologies and things like that. And that has to make you wonder if they were kept that way if somebody tinkered with our DNA. And that also kind of why it ties kind of back with the ancient astronaut theory because the idea was is that we might have been created as a slave race originally for somebody.
0: But I'm a bit confused because if you're saying that perhaps we, we were not as intellectual before, yet we have – just pick one megalithic monument. Let's pick the, the Great Pyramid of Giza. Some people say that it's 10,000 years ago. Some say that's hundreds of thousands of years ago. But the the common denominator is that we cannot come close to use the precision tools, technology that was used, not only there, but then you come to Mesoamerica. If we were separate, and the one who, who rediscovered America was Christopher Columbus, and found all these pyramids over here, wasn't there a common denominator? Didn't we have the knowledge... To the knowledge shared around the world in order for them to build something more or less. They're not equal, but they're very similar in their architecture, the pyramids.
1: I think so. And I lean toward the idea that I think this is evidence pointing toward that there was at least a worldwide civilization on this planet that was in contact because, like you said, the architecture similar, the, the monolithic building, the ideas, the symbols. how they seem to be all around the planet. <clears throat> and that's one of the things that goes against modern thinking because we're all taught that no, these cultures were not in contact with each other. They, the, there was no way they could. But if their level of technology was just a little bit higher, like most people are, like many people argue, then they could be. And there's all these tantalizing little pieces of evidence. The thing that I find interesting, especially with the monolithic building and stuff, is the fact that we do not build like that. This is clearly a distinct style. We don't go moving 100 tons stones around today unless we absolutely totally have to, but the ancients seem to have done it on a regular basis. And with my experience in the electrical industry, moving large masses is not easy. Uh, Even today, even with cranes and hundreds of men and hydraulics, it is still very difficult to move multi-ton equipment, and solid masses. So there's some type of indication that there's more advanced technology there, whether it was influenced by ancient aliens or if it was just our immediate ancestors that were broken up a little bit more, I think is open for debate. But I think that there is clear evidence around that these cultures had to be in contact with each other. Because in addition to the architecture, the stories themselves are all similar. Everybody seems to...
0: Not only that, but if you look at the ley lines, you, you, you'll you see that a lot of these monuments are placed in strategic places. So they must have known, first of all, n- knowing where the energy lines of the earth were. Take uh, uh, Easter Island, 1,289 miles away from the closest piece of, of land. How did they put those Moai there? So when you say that... They were not as intellectual. I say today, we are not as intellectual as they were. Because look, we have how many languages? How many religions do we have? Over 4,000 religions. We're always, I don't know if it's ego, that everybody says, you know, my God is better than yours. My knowledge is better than yours. My language is better than yours. And we keep this separation throughout the world. And what I think is what you said, that at one point, our, our planet was completely united.
1: Yeah, and the ancient stories tell us, too. I mean, one of the most famous stories in the Bible, speaking of the Tower of Babel, we were told that we all spoke one language. And this terrified the gods because when we worked as one, we could become Thank you for listening. To
2: unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now